Good morning, everyone. Good morning. If you could draw your, draw your conversation so close. Good morning. My name is Ian. If you don't know who I am, I know most of you quite well by now. Uh, but I'm usually down at 502 on our uh, Ashley Road site. So I'm going to head there straight after this. So I better crack on. Um, I'm going to go straight in with a story. I was 18 years old and uh, I got the opportunity to go and play rugby in South Africa. It was uh, something I was really excited about. I'd been working towards for a long time. And we, I remember we flew from Edinburgh through Heathrow into Johannesburg and then on to Durban. It was a bit of a long flight. I was, you know, I was a little bit weary. Let's get my excuses in early for this story. And uh, we land in Durban. Uh, sorry, we land in Johannesburg and we have to make this really long walk to uh, the next plane, okay, to make our transfer. And it's time for a quick pit stop, and then off I went with all the boys, and we're kind of going quite quickly because our flight was a little bit late in. And I remember getting there uh, to the point where everyone's queuing up, and we're getting ready to board our plane. And everyone starts to get out their passports and their tickets, and I start padding my pockets, and with every pad, I get more and more nervous because I realize that I have lost my passport and my ticket somewhere between London and where we were, sorry, Edinburgh, and leaving for this flight to Durban where the tournament was. And so as I'm padding away, I can tell the boys are starting to think this is quite, quite funny. So I'm pretending that I don't really care, even though I really care, because I'm thinking, oh no, this is it. Like, I'm going to miss out on the tournament. I'm not going to get to play. Maybe they'll, they'll never pick me again. I'm going to have to head home with my head held low. I, I just thought, oh, this is the end. What, what, what are we going to do? So I quickly start retracing my steps, mumbling something to the boys as I go. And as I'm going, um, this big, burly man comes up to me. Now, there's quite a few of them in South Africa. And he comes up to me and he says, Hey, is this your ugly mug? Was that good? Yeah. Ah, got it. I've been working so hard on that. <laughs> and it was, he'd, what he'd done was he'd found my passport and my ticket way over on the other end of the building and he had taken it uh, from that toilet where he found it, and he'd worked out from my ticket where my, where my gate was, and he came all the way down to the gate to give me it. I had never, honestly, I just felt so thankful, so grateful. And I wanted to give him a big kiss. <laughs> but he didn't look like the kind of guy who would really appreciate that, so I didn't. Uh, this morning, we're in Psalm 118. Uh, which is part of our Community Psalms uh, series, where David helps us to think about what it means to be thankful people. Now, the psalm begins and it ends, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Being thankful at different moments like that, when you've maybe lost your passport or whatever has happened, where you think, oh, I was so thankful for that person or that thing that happened, they're all very well, but actually it's quite difficult, isn't it, to be consistently thankful, to be a person who is thankful, to be thankful people. 
two professors of psychology, one from the University of California and one from the University of Miami, conducted a study a few years ago. They had three different groups of people who were told to do three different things. Every week, one of those groups was asked, will you just write some positive things from your week, things that you're thankful for, and write them down? And then we'll do that for 10 weeks, and then we'll retest you, and we'll work out if it's made any difference in your life. And then the second group, they were told to write down the things that were irritating them, and then do the same thing. And then the third group were given no instructions at all, and then they were going to be tested as well. And it worked out that the people who were thankful, who had been practicing thankfulness, were immeasurably more content at the end of the 10 weeks. In fact, more of, more of that group of people were going to the gym. More of that group of people were not going to their GP. More from that group of, of people were reporting that they just felt much better about life. Thankfulness is good for your health. It's good for you. And as we'll see this morning, those of us who know Jesus, those of, those, those of us who really know God, have a relationship with God, have far more reason to be thankful than anyone else. So why don't we turn to uh, Psalm 118, which is page 616 in the Bibles in front of you. It's quite a long psalm, but we'll read all the way through. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees. They were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live. I will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You became my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, for from the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us with bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. There are three parts to this journey that I'd like us to look at that David helps us with to becoming this thankful person, to becoming thankful people. The first is the struggle to be thankful. We have to recognize that it's difficult. The second is the breakthrough to being thankful. And the third are the habits that thankful people develop. Should we pray? Father God, thank you that we can say thank you to you. There are so many reasons for thanks to you. Glory be to you this morning, Lord. Would you come and reveal to us the many reasons for thankfulness? Reveal to us many better reasons than the world can offer for being thankful. Many more uh, glorious reasons than the trivial example of finding a passport. Thank you, God, that we have every reason to be thankful people. But Lord, we do recognize that it's tough. And so, Lord, we pray now that in the circumstances we find ourselves in, you would help us to, to make that transition, to be more thankful people, people who are characterized by thankfulness, gratitude to our God. We love you, and we ask you to come and speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, number one. The struggle to be thankful people. In verses 1 through 4, that's what David says. He says that the people of God should be thankful for his goodness and love. But let's be honest, it's not always easy. Last Christmas, uh, Lindsay and I decided what we'd do is we'd exchange uh, a piece of clothing each, but we wouldn't choose for ourselves. It would be a surprise. A very dangerous game to play. And we were going to open them in front of Lindsay's family. So I went out thinking, this is going to be a tough task. I think, I think Lindsay's got the easy job here. I mean, I'm not fussy. But if I go out and, and, and try and find something for Lindsay, this is going to be difficult. And I'd, I'd picked up that she wanted a top for going out. So I did, I did what all men do. Well, I think all men do anyway. I went to a big department store. And I spoke to one of the ladies in there who was selling clothes. And I said, this is what my wife looks like. <laughs> what would she suit? Show me. And it seemed to work out quite well. Um, she wrapped it up in gold tissue paper. Very posh. But apparently that is just an undergarment for the garment. So you have to then wrap it again. I learned that from the lady. And so I did that, and I, I brought it on Christmas Day, and it was all ready to go. And I'm, I'm a bit concerned, but I think, nah, this could go okay. This could go okay. And so um, on Christmas Day, we start going around, and we're opening each other's presents. And it comes to the gift that I've got for Lindsay. And so she starts unwrapping it, and she opens it. And she looks at it, 
And she holds it up, looks at it for a while, and then she glances to her sister. And her sister says, that's really nice. Just first victory, okay? She's looking at it, she goes away, she tries it on, and then she comes back in and she announces, I think I quite like it. I was delighted. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a result. So anyway, it comes around to me opening my present. This will be easy. So I'm opening mine up, and I, I do that thing that everyone does. I shake my shoebox. I wonder what this could be. <laughs> and I open it up, and I look inside, and I realize I do not like them. <laughs> At all. And so I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking, I must smile. <laughs> so I, I smile, I smile. But apparently I'm not smiling, I'm doing something more like this. <laughs> and so it becomes quite obvious. So we have to move rooms, Lindsay and I, to have a conversation. <laughs> and so we have this long conversation that kind of goes something like, uh, Thank you so much for all your hard work and effort in finding me these lovely shoes, but I don't actually like them. Can I take them back? <laughs> and she is very gracious and lets me take them back. But how did that happen? How is it that we have so much stuff that actually we can become quite picky about things and actually quite unthankful? We are thankless. And I think... For me, it can often be a lot easier to be negative and thankless than it is to be a thankful person. At the heart, very heart of the world's mess is this issue of thanklessness. A part of the source of all our pride, our anxiety, our negativity is our lack of gratitude. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve began in this garden temple. It's really the first temple in many ways because they walked with God in his presence. And they walked with thankful hearts as they dwelt with God together in his presence. But you probably know how the story goes. They disregard their life to thanks, of thanks to God, and instead they pursue a life of self-glory or self-appreciation. When life becomes about ourselves, though, it doesn't tend to go the way we want it to go. Things are never quite enough. We always think that there's something more to be had. We're disappointed with ourselves. We're disappointed with others. We constantly compare ourselves to others. We get anxious about how we are perceived and we get cynical about the world around us, the things that shouldn't be. Romans 1.21 sums up the problem. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. From that moment in the garden when Adam and Eve decided that they would give up thankfulness for thanklessness, they, in that moment, decided no, I, I'm not going to live for the glory of God and thank Him for everything He has given me. I am going to live for my own glory and look for appreciation for myself. And since then, we've been struggling to choose thankfulness. 
Instead of choosing gratitude, we covet more stuff, more from our relationships, more ability, more success, more burgers. Sorry, that was a personal one. More house, more sunshine, more cars, more, 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 more. I want more. And we have a choice. Do we pursue a life of worship and thankfulness? Or do we pursue a life of self-glory and self-appreciation? David knew this struggle as well. He was nothing but a shepherd boy. Surely nothing great would come of him. Even after the moment he is anointed as king, he finds himself chased down, surrounded in caves like he's a scurrying rat. His enemies opposed him from all sides, even from inside of Israel. The promises that God had given him must have seemed like some sort of heavenly mix-up. It must have seemed like God had got it wrong, like total impossibilities. Life can be tough, and it's a struggle not to get negative. It's tough to remember the reasons we have to be thankful people. You might think, uh, of those researchers in Miami and in California, well, it's all right for them. Professors sipping their coffees on uh, university lawns and talking about the theory of what it is to be thankful people. They don't know. They don't know my situation. They don't know what it's like. But David really had been through it. He knew what it was to not have things go his way. He had been to the school of hard knocks. And yet still, what does he say? God took me out of the dark valley into a spacious place, a place of light and freedom. And he can say this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And he says it again and again, just to remind us that this is true. We can be thankful. We have every reason to be thankful. David says in verses 8 through 9, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. In other words, David doesn't just accept this new way of things or this way of things that we've had since Adam and Eve. He says, no, I I don't want to do that. I want to recognize God. I want to worship God. I want to thank God. I want to see God for who he is. I don't want to just live for myself and for my own glory. I don't want to take the easy way out. I want to look to God. I want to look to his wonder and his love, and I want to trust in him. It's a struggle to keep looking at God and being thankful when our circumstances are bleak, but... But David's going to help us here to see where our breakthrough moments come to be thankful people. So the breakthrough to becoming thankful people. Yes, it's a struggle, but what are the breakthroughs? David trusted that God's goodness and love would overcome the evil and the darkness in his life. He constantly was trusting God to be faithful and to save him and that his love would actually speak, that it would actually take action. This isn't like some kind of story, uh, sorry, uh, 
book where we get like eight points on how to be a happy person, and one of them is to be a thankful person. This, this isn't just thanking for the sake of thanking. This is thanking because God is actually going to do something about it, because God's love is real and active, because God's love isn't just theoretical. It's why Paul can say to the church in Thessalonica, be thankful in all circumstances. So let's look at verses 19 and 20. David trusted in the gate. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. David knew what it was to be stuck in the wrong field, away from the flock of God, and needing to be saved, and needing to be brought back to the presence of God, brought back to where the people of God were. Thankfulness to God here is David's trust that God's promises will be fulfilled. And David was right. A thousand years later, John 10.10, Jesus said, I am the gate. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the one way. Jesus is the way into God's care. No longer are we vulnerable sheep away from the shepherd. We're being protected and guided through life. Jesus is David's gate to God. And Jesus is our gate to God. David says, I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. At the gate, we get our breakthrough to becoming thankful people. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. David also trusted in the cornerstone that the builders rejected, verses 22 through 24. David trusted in this stone. In the book of Ezra, when the temple is rebuilt, they have this huge party. And you can read about it, about how they're laughing and weeping and full of joy. Why are they so happy? Because the foundation stone for the temple has been laid. And in some ways, this is, these passages point towards that. But actually, they point towards something much greater, much more exciting than what we see in Ezra 3. There is a much greater moment to come in Scripture when God's presence wouldn't be contained by stones any longer, but would be poured out on all people from all nations. Jesus was the stone rejected by religious elites in Jerusalem. He was crucified. And then, three days later, he rose up to new life, and he became the cornerstone. And he joined together living stones that became the temple of God. No longer was the temple of God, the presence of God, contained in one place. But people like you and I can sit here today and say that the presence of God is in us, the living stones joined to the cornerstone, Jesus. He was rejected so that we could be accepted by God. 
so that we could be accepted in to the presence of God. That is reason for thankfulness. God's presence is with us every day. What a breakthrough. What a reason for thankfulness. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. David also trusted in the one who will make his light shine on us. Verse 27. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then as he was hanging on the cross, darkness came over the whole land. Jesus embraced darkness so we might have light in our darkest of situations. Maybe right now you feel like life is just dark. It's, it's a difficult place to be. David here talks about being in a valley and then coming out into a spacious place. Well, here's your, here's your spacious place that Jesus has taken your darkness for you and one day you can trust that you too will be in this glorious, spacious place with God forever. Because Jesus is the light of the world. He's shining through. He's coming into those dark places and the darkness cannot overcome it. It's wonderful. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. This here is Rob. This was Rob last week at 502. Uh, being baptized. And look at that. I mean, look at that smile. He's just experienced a breakthrough moment. He's, he's enjoying the breakthrough moments, the moments of what it means to understand that he's a living stone, the light of the world. He's, he's uh, being shone on by the light of the world. He knows Jesus. He knows God. And those of us who know God have had those moments. We've had those moments where we've gone, ah, thank you. Those moments of gratitude where it just overflows. We can't help but be filled with joy and thankfulness. But we also know that sometimes we get stale. It often begins this kind of stillness that we find ourselves in by realizing that we're maybe only thankful in certain moments during the week. Uh, this week, um, we've not had the greatest weather, have we? And so when the sun has shone, I've found myself much more thankful in those days than on other days. Now, there's nothing wrong with being thankful for the sun shining. But if that affects my mood to the point where I'm not a thankful person when it rains, then something's gone wrong. Maybe it's busyness and distractions in our lives that just swarm like around us like bees. That's how David describes his problems, swarming bees around us. And we feel like, oh, I, I can't cope with this. This is just too much. And, and we get negative. We get down. We, we, we find that we're no longer thankful. So how do we stop that from happening? How do we keep ourselves being thankful to God every single day for all the wonderful things that he has given us in the gospel. How do we do that? Well, we need to become people who develop habits. Habits of thankful people. So, here are five habits. I'm just going to go through five habits to finish that will hopefully help us 
think about what it looks like to be a thankful person every single day. Yesterday, we were heading out as a family of three for a day out, and uh, I'd been quite excited about it. We hadn't been able to have a, a, a day together for a while because Annabelle had been ill, and then we got ill, and then blah, 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 blah. And so yesterday was our first chance for a while. And uh, I went up the stairs with Annabelle in the morning uh, after breakfast. And so I got her ready, got her bag together, her many bits that need to go into a bag to get her ready for a day. And um, so I get all that together, and I'm really excited. And I come downstairs with her, and I've got my little bag, and I've got my little baby. And we get to the bottom of the stairs, and I look in, and I'm expecting Lindsay to have cleared up and for us to be ready to go. No. She wasn't. Lindsay had decided that then would be a really good time to have some time with God, to open up her Bible, do her, see, uh, her community Bible reading um, that we've been doing as a church, and that she would just, just be with God for a bit. Now, I had been preparing this sermon, okay? And the, the first thing I want to say is that we need to linger in gratitude. We need to spend time with God, in other words, and so in my heart, I am battling. I'm thinking, I want to be really frustrated right now because you said we're going to go out for a day out together and I've gone and got ready and got all the stuff together and you've just been down here doing nothing. Um, <laughs> but I also had this thing going on where I was like, I'm going to preach something tomorrow and I know that what I'm really going to say is that we should be prioritizing spending time with God above anything else. Lindsay was right. It was great that she did that. We need to be willing to give up even our precious days out, or maybe not the whole thing, but part of it. But we need to be willing to give things up in order to prioritize what is most important. I don't think we will become thankful people unless it flows out of worship. Remember, it was the first temple, the Garden of Eden, where I said that Adam and Eve walked with God in gratitude. If we want to walk with God in gratitude, if we want to be thankful people, we've got to be spending time in worship. We've got to be with God in His presence regularly. We always have time for the creator of the universe. Busyness or procrastination are such easy traps for Satan to lay, especially when we've got all this technology just at the end of our arm. Maybe you've got a demanding job. Maybe you've got a demanding home life. I urge you, whatever you have to do, look to spend regular time with God. The second thing is to recount what God has done. Not um, long after Lindsay and I started going out, um, I was, we were doing long distance, and so I was in Glasgow, and Lindsay was down in Nottingham University, and her parents were in Oxford, and it was the summertime, and they were coming up to Glasgow because they had relatives in Glasgow, and then they were heading back. And I decided I would head back with them in the car, the whole family. So we were five up in the car. I just met her family. And so I was doing the whole, like, you know, trying to show off to them. I'll sit in the middle, don't worry, for eight hours. And so I sat in the back, in the middle, squished like this. And then... Uh, we got uh, stuck in a traffic jam about halfway down. And I was sitting there just terrified that her dad was going to ask me anything whilst trying to answer all the questions that her mum was asking. 
I just hope I can be as intimidating as Lindsay's dad was <laughs> when Annabelle has her first boyfriends. Um, he's a lovely guy, by the way. We got on really well. Um, but at that point, I was just scared. And so I'm sat in the back, and we're in this traffic jam, and Lindsay's mum says, let's play the glad game. And I'm going, what on earth is that? And Lindsay's sister and Lindsay go, oh, mum. And so anyway, she says, Ian, you start. What are you thankful for, beginning with A? And I'm going, uh, er, animals? <laughs> and so I just don't know what to say. And then um, it goes on and it goes on and on and on. Anyway, she was just trying to wind up Lindsay, and it was working quite well. But actually, they used to play it when they were young. And I think it's actually a really good thing. It's a really good idea. Because you're, we were so negative and just kind of like, oh, man, what? We're going to take forever to get there. We're in this traffic jam. And she was just practicing thankfulness. Actually, I think we should be looking to play the glad game. We should be looking to recount what God has done for us. Back in verse 17, David says the whole, his whole response to God's salvation and God's love for him is to recount all the good things that God has done for him. The antidote to negativity is to live a life of thankfulness to God, constantly recounting all the good things that God has done for us as we go, and especially for what Jesus has done for us. Number three, say grace all the time. All the time. One thing we can do just to practice thankfulness is to say grace at mealtimes. But I love this quote from G.K. Chesterton. He says this, you say grace before meals. All right. But I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and the pantomime and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. Now, if you're anyone like me, you're thinking I'm nowhere near as cultured as that. That's okay. You can be thankful for other things that you do in your life. Um, when Isaiah had his heavenly vision, all the angels sang this, didn't they? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Chesterton's point is that it's great that we say grace at mealtimes, but there's more to be thankful for. Let's constantly be looking for the things that we need to be or that we should be thankful for. Number four, write it down. David wrote his thankfulness to God down. He did it time and time again. Now, you might not be a poet like David was, but it's just a good practice to get into. For those of us who have been doing CBR, community Bible reading, we have this grid, acts, which is adoration, confession, thankfulness, and supplication. And so, Honestly, when I use the grid, so I don't use the grid every single day. I use the grid maybe about 50% of the time. When I do use the grid, it is a much more beneficial time for me because I'm writing things down to say, oh, Lord, you're amazing because, or Lord, I need help with this. But particularly saying thanks. Just thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Thank you, Lord, that there's a new day for me to worship you this morning. Simple, simple thing to do, 
but it is really helpful. Martin Luther said, Satan hates the use of the pen. So let's frustrate Satan and use the pen as much as we can. Number five, regularly take communion with others. This was the last of the Psalms in a series of Psalms called the Egyptian Hillel. Egyptian because it reminded them of the Passover where they're released from slavery out of Egypt as a nation, as the the Hebrew people. And Hallel because it meant praise. So they're praising God for his salvation to them as a nation. So imagine the night before Jesus is crucified, he sat with his disciples. They sing these songs most likely. And he then institutes communion. So they're remembering all these wonderful things that Jesus is the gate. Well, they wouldn't have known it at that moment, but Jesus knew that he was the gate, the cornerstone the builders rejected, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Notice I missed that one out, but it is in there. The light of the world. They would have been singing about these things. And then there is this psalm about thankfulness. Jesus said, well, what he did was he, he gave thanks and then he passed the cup round. And then he gave thanks and he broke the bread and he passed the bread round. Giving thanks at communion demonstrates to us every single time that at the very heart of the gospel and the very heart of our gospel response is thankfulness. We should be so thankful to God for everything he's done. And communion is just such a glorious, beautiful opportunity for us to do that together. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So as the band comes back up, uh, why don't we stand together? I know you have different stations for communion around the room. So there's one at the front left here, and there's one at the back right. And there's one at the front right, and one at the back left. You guys, that's brilliant. We only have two. Um, So at any point during the worship, I'd encourage you to go and to break bread. And remember that Jesus said, thank you to begin this whole thing that we do week after week. Now, we do it week after week because we think it's so important to keep remembering to give thanks for the cross, that his body was pierced and his blood was shed so that we might be free. We talked about the Passover and about how this was about the Egyptian Hallel, Passover praise. Well, we have a new Passover And we celebrate it in communion that Jesus has freed us from our sin. We are set free from our sin. And so together, let's just give the most enormous thanks to God in these next few songs as we go and we take communion together. Father God, thank you so much for everything that you are to us. Thank you that you are the gate. Thank you that you have come, Jesus, so that we might enter into God's protection. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much that you are the light of the world, that you shine into our darkest of places. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you are continually 
helping us in our time of need, that you're with us at every moment because you are the cornerstone that gifts us the presence of God. Thank you, God, that you're here, that we can rely on that, that we have every reason to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever.